Hey everybody, it's Dan Dan here, and we are diving into a big book study. Today we are polishing off, finishing off, pulling in the reins. On the first 164 pages, we'll be on page 158, and then we're going to put so, so you see will be the first letters. And what we've talked about up to now in A Vision for You is this idea that there is hope in Alcoholics Anonymous. And that the key to the whole thing, even if you're in a town where there is no AA meeting, you are not in a town where there are no drunks. And with this book in hand, with the AA big book in hand, the writers, the authors, the founding people of AA believe you can approach those drunks and start your own fellowship, walking shoulder to shoulder, shoulder to shoulder, walking right alongside them to achieve this fantastic thing called sobriety or a spiritual way of life. And that by completely giving ourselves to that, we can do it. And then we get, we walk through the story of the first three guys. So, and like I, I love it when the historians have a chance to spout off on all that. So you guys lay out there, who are these three guys? Everybody knows that's taken time to find out the first three AAs. And there's a famous picture of two of these guys and one of these guys, one sitting on a bed that AA is talking about. And this is that actual deal going on right here. So. What was that like? How did it get started? What did they do before the big book? What did they do when they had no AA? What was going on? And it gets into the Oxford group and all kinds of things, and I'll leave that for other people. Today, what we're going to talk about, we're going to go into a little bit more of a story and then finish with this beautiful, broad vision that Bill Wilson had for all of us. And my hope is that it's not a vision for them when you're done listening to it. I hope you see it as a vision for the you uh, that's you and the me that's you and every single person that's afflicted with this horrible thing called alcoholism. We're introduced to the four horsemen in the first section. This another way of describing that point of angst. And we're also introduced to the idea that most of us, when we hit that turning point, are probably ready to die. It's a choice between death going on drunk until we die, or maybe maybe the sober thing. But it seems like a tall order, and he pointed that out. So we're going to go through a little bit more in here, and I think that you will see that this is a vision for you. There are some challenging remarks in here, and I will stop and talk about them for a minute. I hope not to put too much conjecture into the whole conversation I do want to offer some thoughts. We want to glaze over some of the more difficult things sometimes, and maybe we won't do that today. So we are on page 158, and we're going to go back and do just a few words from the previous discussion in part one. It says, so you see, there were three alcoholics in that town who now felt they had to give to others what they had found or be sunk. The reference service to others, be ready, high state readiness, high state readiness, which means staying on top of your spiritual game, remaining spiritually fit. After several failures to find others, a fourth turned up, huh? Another guy. He came through an acquaintance who had heard the good news. He proved to be a devil may care young fellow whose parents could not make out whether he wanted to stop drinking or not. That hopeless state. I, I don't know that I wanted to stop drinking. I know I wanted out of my current situation. They were deeply religious people, much shocked by their son's refusal to have anything to do with the church. Hmm. He suffered horribly from his sprees, but it seemed as if nothing could be done for him. 
He consented, however, to go to the hospitals. And sometimes we do that, right? We just don't have any other way to go. <laughs> Someone's like, you got to go to rehab. All right, whatever. I'll go to rehab. However, to go to the hospital where he occupied the very room recently vacated by the lawyer. That's convenient. Everybody knows where he's at. He had three visitors. I wonder who that was. <laughs> Those first three, right? After a bit, he said, the way you fellows put this spiritual stuff makes sense. I'm ready to do business. I guess the old folks were right after all. Now, that is amazing. You've got to be pretty desperate to hear our program of action and come away with that. Or the authenticity of the three men sitting in front of him was so attractive, was so convincing, was so clearly true in his own life that he believed it. And that's so just a critical element of us going out and talking to people that we've done these steps, that we know what the book says, that we understand at least our pathway of achieving that spiritual awakening and to live the spiritual way of life. When we do that, we do in fact get results like this. It says, one more time, the way you fellows put this spiritual stuff, the way they presented it to him, outlined in a lot of places, you know, the family afterward, working with others, to employers, the way you fellows put this spiritual stuff makes sense. I'm ready to do business. I guess the old folks were right after all. So one more was added to the fellowship. Here's number four. All this time, our friend of the hotel lobby incident remained in that town. He was there three months. Remember, he was wandering about, how do I pay my bill? <laughs> Here he is three months later. He now returned home, leaving behind his first acquaintances, the lawyer and the devil-may-care chap. These men had found something brand new in life, though they knew they must help other alcoholics. Though they knew they must help other alcoholics if they would remain sober, that motive became secondary. Hmm. It was transcended. That means to go beyond the normal limit. It was transcended by the happiness they found in giving themselves for others. Whoa. So what was at some point a commitment, an obligation, something where they had to do it, they ought a debt, has become something of a duty. They would have it no other way. They want to do this. It's no longer a burden. It's not an intrusion on their life. It's an opportunity. It's a gift. It's the chance to stay sober themselves. It's a chance to bring the good news. What a change, though they knew they must help other alcoholics. Hmm. If they would remain sober, that motive, the knowing I must, that motive became secondary. It was transcended or it went way beyond by the happiness they found in giving themselves, not a have to, not a need to, not a must, in freely giving themselves for others. What a vital line. They shared their homes. What? Their slender resources and gladly devoted their spare hours to fellow sufferers. They were willing by day or night to place a new man in the hospital and visit him afterward. They grew in numbers. Ask yourself, are you doing these things in a modern reference? Are you doing these things for the sake of others? Are you just attending because you like AA and you meet your buds up there? 
Have you bothered to do the steps as thoroughly as possible? It's a huge, huge thing for us. If we don't do it, we're sunk. If we think it's something we have to do, we're almost there. We're not doing it enough. We're not getting the spiritual experience it promises. Many people think the spiritual experience has to do with what they're getting out of this. You know, if they're happy, if they're free, there's a point where that spiritual experience just becomes watching others successfully defeat alcohol. Because I'll tell you, that is a fine thing. Bill tells us it is not to be missed. And he's right. What an amazing thing to watch someone rise from the ashes of their life and go on a productive, healthy person. It is well worth doing. It says here, once again, they were willing by day or night to place a new man in the hospital and visit him afterward. Are you? They grew in numbers. They experienced a few distressing failures, as we all do. But in those cases, they made an effort to bring the man's family into a spiritual way of living, thus relieving much worry and suffering. We have Al-Anon for that today to help us there. We can refer them over there. Have contacts in Al-Anon. It's important. A year and six months later, these three had succeeded with seven more. All right, so let's just, let's just go back on that. Look around your room. You know, how many people show up at your meetings? A year and six months later, <laughs> these three had succeeded with seven more. So there's a lot of people that they've seen this not work with. Seeing much of each other, scarce an evening passed that someone's home did not shelter a little gathering of men and women. Happy in their release and constantly thinking, here we go again, how they might present their discovery to some newcomer. That's the purpose of our meetings. Think about that for a second. In addition to these casual get-togethers, it became customary to set apart one night a week for a meeting to be attended by anyone or everyone interested in a spiritual way of life, the open discussion meeting. Aside from fellowship and sociability, which is a tendency to talk to people, the prime object, the prime object, here we go again, was to provide a time and place where new people, the newcomer, might bring their problems so that we can tell them our experience, strength, and hope on how to solve those problems hmm. and show them this book. Outsiders became interested one man and his wife placed their large home at the disposal of this strangely assorted crowd. This couple has since become so fascinated that they have dedicated their home to the work. Many a distracted wife has visited this house to find loving and understanding companionship among women who knew her problem. To hear from the lips of their husbands what had happened to them, to be advised how her own wayward mate might be hospitalized and approached when he next stumbled. So that's the Al-Anon program today. Many a man, yet dazed from his hospital experience, has stepped over the threshold of that home into freedom. Welcome home, so many meetings say on the wall. Welcome home. This is the home that started that all off. Many an alcoholic who entered there came away with an answer. He succumbed, I mean, he stopped trying to resist. He quit resisting. He quit resisting. Succumbed means to no longer resist. He quit resisting. He succumbed to that gay crowd inside who laughed at their own misfortunes and understood his. Impressed by those who visited him at the hospital, he capitulated entirely when, later, 
in an upper room of this house, the famous upper room, he heard the story of some man whose experience closely tallied with his own, the purpose of telling our stories. The expression on the faces of the women, that indefinable or impossible to describe something in the eyes of the men, the stimulating and electric atmosphere of the place conspired, <laughs> planned, set into motion, conspired to let him know that here was haven at last. The very practical approach to his problems, the absence of intolerance. Intolerance is a state of being annoyed easily. I, I don't always equate it that way, but when I'm feeling annoyed, I don't think, oh, I'm being intolerant, right? It's a state of being annoyed easily. The absence of intolerance of any kind, the informality, the genuine democracy, the uncanny understanding which these people had were irresistible. Attraction. He and his wife would leave elated by the thought of what they could now do for, oh, not themselves, is it? Not again. For some stricken acquaintance and his family serving others. They knew they had a host of new friends. It seemed they had known these strangers always because we are wrecked, wrecked together. We have the same experience. We have the usual pattern, the typical set of problems, right? Which are called in here astonishingly difficult to solve, <laughs> which they are, unless you have the program of Alcoholics Anonymous backing you up. They knew they had a host of new friends, it says. It seemed they had known these strangers always. Love it. They had seen miracles. They'd seen them. I've seen them. You've seen them if you've been around any time. They had seen miracles, and one was to come to them. They had visioned the great reality, their loving and all-powerful creator. Notice that those are in caps. Those are real names for the real higher power. Now, this house will hardly accommodate its weekly visitors for the number 60 or 80 as a rule. Alcoholics are being attracted from far and near, from surrounding towns. Families drive long distances to be present. A community 30 miles away has 15 fellows of Alcoholics Anonymous. Being a large place, we think that someday its fellowship will number many hundreds. Whew! Think about that. Man, they're so excited about 100. There's meetings, just single meetings that get 100 people today. It's not uncommon for meetings in our small town here in Georgia to get 40 even. This is written in 1939, about 80 years ago. But life among Alcoholics Anonymous is more than attending gatherings and visiting hospitals, cleaning up old scrapes, helping to settle family differences, explaining the disinherited son to his irate parents, lending money, and securing jobs for each other when justified, these are everyday occurrences. No one is too, no one, wait, no one, not anybody, not that person either, no one is too discredited or has sunk too low to be welcomed cordially. And what we're talking about cordially is in a spirited manner. Welcome with a enthusiasm. Thank God they're there. Thank the higher power they're there. What an amazing turn of events. So few of us make it into recovery and live the spiritual way of life. So many perish at the hands of alcoholism. What a joy it is that day. What an opportunity is that day that the person shows up. And if we've worked the steps and we can be authentic and we really have walked the walk, we can have a profound effect on this person. 
if he means business, right? So it says again, too low to be welcomed cordially if he means business. Social distinctions don't matter. Petty rivalries mean things that aren't important. And jealousies, these are laughed out of countenance. Means we, do, we don't have any expression of that kind of thing. We don't bother with it. Being wrecked in the same vessel. We've known each other forever, right? Being restored and united under one God. Wait a second here. Being restored and united under one God. That's a challenging thing for a lot of us. I want to think of my higher power, right? My higher power. My understanding of God. Perhaps it's not my definition. How I want to approach God or put God into the framework of my life is fine. From the standpoint of our book, there's just the one. It's the one that is all-powerful, all-knowing creator. The one that gives you this program. The one that brings everybody to the meeting. The one that sets the world into motion. One God. So it's an understanding that the higher power, the higher power, the power greater than yourself that is good and you can use it. That power is the one God. With hearts and minds attuned to the welfare of others. Gosh, these are critical lines. To the welfare of others, the things which matter so much to some people, money, houses, cars, titles, achievements, no longer signify much to them because everybody ends up in an AA meeting. It doesn't matter how materially successful or unsuccessful you may be. This program can and will work for you. And we all gather in the same room, wrecked in the same vessel. How could they? Under only slightly different conditions, the same thing is taking place in many Eastern cities. In one of these, there is a well-known hospital for the treatment of alcoholic and drug addiction. Six years ago, one of our number was a patient there. Many of us have felt, for the first time, the presence and power of God within its walls. We are greatly indebted to the doctor in attendance there, for he, although it might prejudice his own work, has told us of his belief in ours. Every few days, this doctor suggests our approach to one of his patients. Understanding our work, he can do this with an eye to selecting those who are willing and able to recover on a spiritual basis. Those people that are completely wrecked. He can identify the four horsemen. He can see the eagerness for this opportunity. Many of us, former patients, go there to help. Then, in this eastern city, there are informal meetings such as we have described to you, where you may now see scores of members. There are the same fast friendships. There is the same helpfulness to one another as you find among our Western friends. There is a good bit of travel between East and West, and we foresee a great increase in this helpful interchange. Here, we're going we're gonna to land this plane right here. You guys ready? Someday we hope that every alcoholic who journeys will find a fellowship of Alcoholics Anonymous at his destination. That is almost true. To some extent, this is already true. And to a great extent today, it's true, right? Some of us are salesmen and go about. Little clusters of twos and threes and fives of us have sprung up in other communities through contact with our two larger centers. Those of us who travel drop in as often as we can. This practice enables us to lend a hand, at the same time avoiding certain alluring distractions of the road. It's important to stay in touch with the fellowship about which any traveling man can inform you. Thus we grow, and so can you. So can you. 
Though you be but one man with this book in your hand, but you be one person with this book in your hand, we believe and hope it contains all you will need to begin. The book and you go, right? We know what you are thinking. You are saying to yourself, I'm jittery and alone. I couldn't do that. But you can. You forget that you have just now tapped a source of power much greater than yourself, which is the book for now. You don't have this information. This book just brought all sorts of incredible knowledge to you that you can begin to study and work in your life, so long as you'll do it completely. To duplicate with such backing, what we have accomplished is only a matter of willingness, an agreement to do it. You're going to do it like it says to do it. Humility, right? Humble yourself to the directions. You're going to follow this set of directions. If you want to duplicate it, it's only a matter of willingness, patience, state of being calm, relax, and waiting. And then labor. You got to do the work, right? We know of an AA member who was living in a large community. He had lived there but a few weeks when he found that the place probably contained more alcoholics per square mile than any city in the country. This was only a few days ago at this writing in 1939. The authorities were much concerned. He got in touch with a prominent psychiatrist who had undertaken certain responsibilities for the mental health of the community. The doctor proved to be able and exceedingly anxious to adopt any workable method of handling the situation. So he inquired, what did our friend have on the ball? Hmm. Our friend proceeded to tell him, and with such good effect that the doctor agreed to a test among his patients and certain other alcoholics from a clinic which he attends. Arrangements were also made with the chief psychiatrist of a large public hospital to select still others from the stream of misery which flows through that institution. So our fellow worker will soon have friends galore. He walked shoulder to shoulder, right? He reached out and found those drunks in his community. He formed his own group. All he needed is him. Willingness, patience, labor, and the book. So our fellow worker will soon have friends galore. Some of them may sink and perhaps never get up. But if our experience is criterion, meaning a standard to judge it by, more than half of those approached will become fellows of Alcoholics Anonymous. More than half. When a few men in this city have found themselves and have discovered the joy of helping others to face life again, there will be no stopping until everyone in that town has had his opportunity to recover, if he can and will. Still, you may say, but I will not have the benefit of contact with you who write this book. We cannot be sure. God will determine that. So you must remember that your real reliance is always upon him, God. He will show you. God will show you. The higher power will show you. The creative intelligence will show you. The spirit of the universe will show you. He will show you how to create the fellowship you crave. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. Not get for yourself. What can you do to carry this message to those who still suffer? The answers will come. If your own house is in order, that's that authenticity. Have you done this thing? But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. There it is. See to it that your relationship with him is right, meaning correctly oriented. 
and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact, great fact, capital letters, referencing God. This is the great fact for us. And here's the very end, guys. Here's the whole program in a paragraph. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. One, admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Two, clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. Some of the most powerful things you'll ever hear in your entire life were just read to you. If you can humble yourself to doing what it says, to go all the way back, I know I'm walking away inspired to go all the way back, like the day after a relapse, right? Day one, that same enthusiasm. How do I get this? You, no matter who you are, no matter how far you've sunk, no matter how low you think you are, you can be the spiritual leader that moves somebody out of the claws of death. It's your responsibility. And I hope you do it because automatically your life will come back together. It's been true of me and so many others. I learned things like responsibility and keeping commitments and all that stuff just happens. It is indeed the miracle of it. So I hope today you can talk about that. How do you move forward from here? If you're brand new and you've followed along this whole study, talk about your fears and your concerns or your inadequacies. Talk about your victories. Talk about the things that have already happened. Talk about the sense of trust you have in your group. If you've been around forever, maybe it's a great time. Maybe it's a great time to reach back out. Reach back out and remember that day one. Put yourself in that newcomer's shoes and share about that. And then talk about how you're 5, 10, 15, 30 years sober. How did that come to be? What was that like? Do you have the experience of this incredible fellowship that it talks about? So I hope you guys have a great discussion. And I'm really grateful that we had a chance to get through this big book together. There's lots of other material and there's a lot of other podcasts to come. However, this particular point, page 164, we depart from the program of Alcoholics Anonymous and we get into some other stuff, the story. So I would encourage you to move on, read about the spiritual experience, read the stories that are in the book because you're going to notice that every single story in the book ends with something like this. I had no idea how good my life would get, that it's better than I would have ever thought it could be. They all end in something like that. And if you want that experience, go on back to page one. Go on back to them Roman numerals, you Romans, and start over and get into this thing. I beg of you to be fearless and thorough from the very start myself. Have a great discussion.